Hello there, listeners. It's Susie New from the Australian Society of Anesthetists, and thank you for listening to our podcast. It's called Australian Anesthesia, and it's where we talk about all things relevant to anesthesia in Australia. Are you curious about the world of anesthesia and the challenges of working in regional Australia? Well, in this episode, we are going to explore this fantastic country of ours through the lens of paediatric anaesthetist and pain physician, Dr. Kate Drummond, who is striking the perfect work-life balance in Albury-Wodonga. We delve into Kate's career and discuss what the challenges are, as well as the rewards of working in this regional area. You'll hear directly from Kate just how much she enjoys living and working there. All right, enough from me. Let's get into it. So let's start with, are you in Albury or are you in Wodonga? And tell us a little bit about what both are like. Albury-Wodonga is really two townships that are really one city spanning across the border of Victoria and New South Wales. So the Murray River goes straight through the middle. And so... Aubrey-Wodonga is a really growing community. It's come a long way in my lifetime, certainly, and it's one of the kind of places where everyone knows of each other a lot of the time, but it's still big enough that there's plenty of people and it's a very growing kind of metropolitan scene as well. So it is becoming more of a regional city with lots to offer. Great. And what's it like there in terms of climate and geography? It's a beautiful place to live. It's got all four seasons across the year. So summer is very hot and dry usually and then winter is quite cold. We're near the ski fields so it's not far up to Falls Creek or Mount Hotham for skiing and we're also near the wine region of Rutherglen, Beechworth and the King Valley. So we've got lots of beautiful surrounds. We're surrounded by mountains and valleys and lots of beautiful rivers. The scenery itself is gorgeous and my pick of the seasons is autumn because the leaves are just stunning and it's a really beautiful time of the year in terms of temperature and that's often when people like to come and visit around the Easter period to Albury-Wodonga because it's so beautiful. Okay, that's a hot dip. So if we're looking to come up, maybe we can do an Easter locum or something like that and get some good weather. Absolutely. That's the time to come, April school holidays. <laughs> okay, lovely. We need this inside knowledge. And what's it like in terms of getting to and from there? So it's actually really easy to get to Aubrey-Wodonga from the major capital cities near us. So Melbourne is about three, just over three hours drive up the Hume Highway and then three hours to Canberra and six hours to Sydney. So it's uh, pretty accessible and we've got an airport which has flights to and from Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and Brisbane. And the train also that runs between Melbourne and Sydney stops in Albury. Wow, so pretty well connected. Yeah, it's pretty easy to access. And let's focus a little bit on you now, if that's okay. Of course. How long have you been in the area? I moved back to Aubrey-Wodonga almost three years ago now. I grew up close by in a small farming community about an hour and 15 minutes away from Aubrey-Wodonga and I'd been gone for 16 years whilst I was doing my medical training and then moved back with my partner just before COVID hit to be honest so it was an interesting time to come back. Would have been interesting and so what stage of your career are you at the moment? Yeah, so I've trained both in anaesthesia and pain medicine. So I've been an anaesthetist for about five years and a pain specialist for about three years. 
And so did you move back pretty much early on in your career? Yeah. Once I finished my fellowship in pain medicine, I decided I'd had enough of living in Melbourne. I loved living in Melbourne originally, but I think I was just ready for the lifestyle change. And so as soon as I finished my fellowship, I jumped in the car and came home, so to speak. And can I ask what stage of your life are you at? My partner and I have been together since medical school and we are child free and we have a fur baby. And yeah, so we're at that stage in our lives where we're just really enjoying our lifestyle and our careers and building on that. And what's it been like there for your partner finding jobs and things like that? So I'm really lucky in that he's a landscape architect and so he works for himself. So he's actually been incredibly flexible throughout my training and having to move to different locations to complete my registrar years. So he's been able to work from home and he travels to Melbourne a fair bit for work. So he's figured out a way to make his work work from where we want to be living. And you've mentioned lifestyle a few times. So what's the lifestyle like up there? It's pretty great, to be honest. The city itself is quite well set up in that we've got really lovely cafes and restaurants and art galleries and shopping and all of those sorts of things. So you can get everything that you need living here. For my partner, Andrew and I, part of the lifestyle we're really interested in is the outdoorsy part of it because we're near lots of fresh water. Our activities that we enjoy doing in our spare time is things like hiking, mountain bike riding, stand-up paddleboarding, skiing in winter. So we've got access to all of those things on our doorstep and it's it's been really fantastic in terms of taking that break outside of work. It's really accessible. When we were in Melbourne, we'd have to jump in the car and drive five hours to get where we wanted to be to do those sorts of things a lot of the time. So here we've got it literally on our doorstep. If you've got a day off in the middle of the week, you can literally be on the stand-up paddleboard at 7am if you want to. It's really been great for us in terms of just the kind of things that we're interested in doing in our free time. Sounds quite idyllic. It is idyllic. (laughs) Sounds good. And I'm assuming you're doing the stand-up paddleboarding on the Murray? Yes, and we've also got Lake Hume, so we've got running water and still water around us very close by. And so what other water-based activities can you do in the area? Yeah, so lots of people are into kayaking and canoeing. That's a really popular pursuit in Aubrey-Wodongo. A lot of people will get out in their boats and on jet skis and things like that. Yarrawonga Mawela is not very far away from us. And you mentioned Hotham and Falls earlier. For yeah. people who don't know what Hotham and Falls are, do you want to just describe what they are? Yeah, so they're basically big ski villages. We do alpine skiing, but there's certainly plenty of cross-country skiing, other snow-based pursuits up there during the winter months. It's about an hour and a half up to Falls from Aubrey. So it's pretty easy to jump in the car on a Friday evening and head up the mountain if you're into skiing and you can stay up there for the weekend or be based at one of the smaller villages at the base of those mountains. So it's it's pretty great. Lovely. And I, I think Hotham is Victoria's largest ski field. Yeah. And I know Hotham certainly does, but I assume Falls does as well, offers accommodation actually on the mountain. That's right. Yeah, both do. And you mentioned cafes and a bit of a vibrant metropolitan kind of culture. What's the population of the area? Yeah, so combined Aubrey-Wodonga is about 100,000, give or take. So it's definitely growing. It's very family-friendly community. So a lot of people will move 
to bring up their kids in a more regional style. There's lots of really great schools, both public and private here. And so it's a really popular place for families to move to. So yeah, that population is definitely going up. And I'm glad you mentioned schools and families. I didn't want to pry too deeply, but that might be a consideration, I suppose, if you're thinking about having children and schools. I know some people who live in regional Victoria or regional Australia tend to want to send their children to boarding schools, but the schools there are pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, look, I, coming from a farm, ended up boarding actually in Aubrey when I was young. So I actually went to boarding school. There is a couple of boarding schools actually now in the community. And a lot of my colleagues and a lot of my friends locally are very happy with the schools and even the before school care that's available. There are quite a lot of people at that stage in their life where they're raising small children and there's an amazing amount of resources available really for growing families. And yeah, I think the schools here, quite a few of them have really good reputations. And yeah, there's quite a bit of diversity in terms of which school you choose. There's different options around depending on what you're after. Despite not having children, I do know a fair bit about the schools because I've got lots and lots of friends (laughs) with children and lots of colleagues with children who are talking about this every day. Yeah. And especially as an anaesthetist, having before school care and after school care is essential. You can't survive without it. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned diversity and that's, that's an interesting one to think about. What's the diversity in the community like there? Yeah, it's changed a lot over the years, actually, Susie. I think when I was growing up, it was, I wouldn't have described it as a very diverse place to live, but certainly now we're seeing a lot of growth in some of our migrant communities. And we've got a really quite large Indigenous community. We've got certainly lots of growth in terms of people who are coming from bigger cities, having also potentially also migrated from outside of Australia. So we've definitely got a growing multicultural community. It's quite diverse. There's lots of different religions now, as it was really predominantly a very Christian kind of place. I'm seeing lots of growth and diversity in terms of the people I'm meeting at work as well, which is really lovely. So it definitely has changed in my lifetime. It's actually much more diverse and I think much more welcoming as well than it probably has been in the past. And I certainly see that every day that we've got a really nice integrated community. You mentioned farming a couple of times. What is farmed in the region? So we've got cattle for beef and dairy. There's lots of sheep, also wheat and other crops. It's a bit of a food bowl, to be honest, because it can be very fertile land that supports good farming. And so certainly people probably have heard about the people living in Yakandanda, where it's off-grid and a lot of more sustainable farming practices are taking place and people are going back to a more sustainable way of living. So there's certainly really interesting change happening even in the farming space and the way people are doing things has changed as well over the years. Are you still involved with your family farm at all? No, no. We no longer have our family farm that I grew up on, but I think we're still very appreciative of what it's like living on a farm and the importance of farmers in our day-to-day lives. And I actually think what's really interesting is that, because that was always the way that you grew up on a farm and usually one of the siblings would continue on the farm later on in life. And now we're seeing actually new generation farmers moving, which is something I don't think was very common. That's interesting how different communities move and change over time, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to now... focus on the hospital and the clinical work. Aubrey Wodonga Hospital, you said, is across two campuses. What sort of services are provided there? Yeah, so Aubrey Wodonga Health Service, a community of probably almost 300,000 people. 
which is growing. And so the services are expanding and we've recently got funding to expand the hospital as well because we've got two quite small hospitals on either side of the um, river and we've been campaigning pretty heavily over the last few years for a single site fit for purpose hospital because of the growth that's happening and because of the expansion of services. So from a perioperative perspective, we have operating theatres on both sides of the border. So there's seven theatres across the two campuses, the two hospitals, as well as two procedure rooms for endoscopy, EBUS, eyes and other procedures as well as a cardiac cath lab. So we've got a fair bit going on of surgical specialties, including, so we have general surgery, orthopedics, ENT, paediatric surgery, urology. We also provide some service for the cardiac cath lab and also off the floor type procedures in radiology. We have lots of visiting surgeons as well, but certainly lots of local surgeons who have stuck around and built their careers here. Across the broader hospital, we've got two large medical wards. We've got cardiology and respiratory physicians locally, and we've got ophthalmologists. And a lot of the visiting specialists who come regularly from the bigger centres to offer more specialty services as well. And I suppose with the visiting specialists, are you also then getting clinical support, not just for anaesthesia, but say surgical support for a discussion of the more complex cases? Yes, I think that our focus on perioperative care has really been growing and we've got a lot of people who are really interested in this area and have expertise in this area. It's been a model because of lots of visiting surgeons and because there has been that mixed staff specialist VMO model, it has been tricky over the years, I think, to really establish a a service that is really collaborative and multidisciplinary and has all of that backup. But we're really working on that. And I think it's getting to be that we've got really good communication and we're starting to see patients earlier and earlier in their perioperative journey so that we can optimise their care and make sure we've got a really Really clear plan in place for their anticipated trajectory once they come to hospital. We've got a lot of people who are very interested in this area. So it's one of the things that we're continuing to build on and to continue to provide high quality care. Have you got a dedicated periop service led by someone who's got some perioperative training? That's a work in progress at the moment. We've just been allocated a perioperative services director who is really keen to make a lot of change in that space. We've recruited a physician who's actually really interested in perioperative medicine and we're hoping to continue to recruit both from an anaesthesia and physician perspective people who are interested in this area because it's one of the projects we're working on at Aubrey Wodonga Health. So we're very keen for anyone who is interested in that space. There's a lot of change ahead. Okay, there you go. So anyone with a periop interest (laughs) who's looking to build a service, this might be your opportunity. Fantastic. What's it like there in terms of backup support? Just say you want a second opinion on something, whether it's say a tricky paediatric case or a tricky pain case for you personally, what do you do? So we've got a really collaborative group of anaesthetists here who are very available. And so people will go the extra mile to provide support because when you are in a regional location, can be easy to feel 
lonely or isolated just because of the size of the service. But we've got approximately 20 anaesthetists, each with their own training experience and expertise. And so it's very easy and it's standard practice in our department to pick up the phone and make a call when there is a tricky case that's coming up or when we need an extra pair of hands. People are very willing to help each other out and that's just the culture of the anaesthetic department here. A lot of us have trained elsewhere and come back to the area or come to the area fresh for the lifestyle and career opportunities and so a lot of us have great colleagues in our training hospitals and the bigger places that we've come from who are also excellent supports and will often be more than willing to provide advice and guidance over the phone about cases, whether this case should be done here, whether it needs to be transferred to one of the bigger centres. And a lot of the time we are able to manage quite complex cases locally, which makes a really big difference to patients and their families. And it's great for us because we're still getting the volume of practice that we need to stay current. You might be getting better volume of practice than some of us in metropolitan areas are getting. Well, maybe we are very busy, but in our paediatric department, from anaesthesia perspective, there's four of us who are happy to do neonates up. And we actually have a really great system where when we are doing any of the young kids, so any kids under six months often, we will grab the second anaesthetist so that both paediatric anaesthetists will be present for the anaesthetic. So it is really collaborative. And I think it's been really great having that because obviously we're often working with a junior nursing workforce who are still learning and still getting comfortable with doing paediatrics. And so often just having that second paediatric anaesthetist there who can anticipate and be ready just in case is really reassuring, takes the pressure off quite a lot. Do you have trainees in your department? You mentioned there's about 20 specialists. Is there room for trainees as well? Absolutely. So we're accredited with ANSCA as a training site and our trainees can do up to two years in our department. So we have trainees rotating through the Victorian Northwestern scheme. We've also got the Victorian Regional Training Scheme. So we've got regional trainees that come through and then also rotating from Canberra. So we've got a bit of a spread of registrars coming through. We also have very keen SRMOs and we've got quite a big SRMO roster that has people who might be doing their intensive care training. We do have accredited ICU trainees coming through and our ED trainees. And we've got a GP anaesthetist registrar, usually one per year that we're training up as well. So lots of teaching opportunities. And it's a great place to train junior registrars because it's very generalist. We've got obstetrics. They learn how to do epidurals very early. They're doing some quite complex acute pain rounds in a really supported way. So we've got a lot of really good resources to train up these registrars. And in addition to that, we are now getting some more senior registrars. And that's a really good opportunity for our advanced trainees and this year provisional fellow. We haven't had a provisional fellow for a little while, but in 2023, one of our advanced trainees is progressing to do a provisional fellow year. And that's really good because there's lots of opportunities for independent practice, but again, in that supported environment where you can bounce ideas off your senior colleagues. So it's a really exciting place to work if you're interested in training registrars because there is so much opportunity and we had a really good success rate for our rotating registrars in terms of the primary exam this year and we're really proud of the hard work that they've put in. Congratulations, yeah. Yeah, and it's been really wonderful as a department to see the growth of these trainees who come to 
us for six months and then head back to their parent hospitals with a whole new set of skills and experience. And speaking of trainees, for those who don't want to work with trainees, what's it like there in terms of private work? Yeah, I am working 100% in public at the moment in my pain and anesthesia practice, but there is plenty of private work around. I get frequent phone calls to see if I can cover a list. So we've got Aubrey Woodonga Private Hospital run by Ramsey, Aubrey Day Surgery and Insight, which is another usually day case private practice. And do you know if the anaesthetists have a private anaesthetic group or would they tend to be individual practice owners? I think there's a mixture of both, to be honest. I think there are a couple of groups and then there are some people who are running more as sole practitioners. So there's certainly some options out there for people who want to do private, be part of a group or run their own show. Lovely. This has been a great little snapshot into life, both working life or life outside of work, (laughs) snapshot into Albi Wodonga. Is there anything else that you want to mention that I haven't asked about? Yeah. One of the things that always amazes me, and maybe it's my bias because I grew up in a regional area and I've also did a lot of my anaesthetic training in Tasmania. So I've lived a quieter life sometimes than other people who have done most of their training in one of the big metropolitan centres in Australia or overseas. But it always amazes me that there aren't more people knocking on the doors to work in regional places like Aubrey because it is a really fantastic situation in terms of getting work-life balance, which I think more and more we're striving for. I think we have recognised particularly over the last few years with what we've been dealing with in the pandemic that looking after ourselves and looking after our physical and mental health and making sure we have balance is critical to our long-term success, both professionally and personally. And so I find it amazing, actually, that we're constantly seeking people to come and work, specialists to come and work, and GPs, to be honest, in regional Australia, because it is honestly an amazing chance for growth and professional development. And I've been faced with challenges that I really never could have predicted in early career having trained in bigger places. I certainly see so much potential for growth. There's a lot of struggle with resources, of course, as there is, I think, everywhere at the moment in healthcare in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And so we are facing a lot of similar battles to our colleagues in the bigger centres, but we know our colleagues really well. We've got a really tight-knit group of specialists and GPs in the community. It's very easy to pick up the phone for a second opinion. And yeah, and at the end of the day, when you walk out the doors of the hospital and you've taken care of someone in their hometown or just a few kilometres from where they live on their farming property and they get to go home to their family, their family can easily come and visit them. They haven't had to sit in a car for three hours for an appointment with a pain physician, for example. That's pretty satisfying work. I find it really satisfying to know that by looking after some of these more specialist area areas of healthcare and per, both perioperative and in pain medicine, that that makes a really big difference to that patient and their family. So I find that side of the work really satisfying. And I also think I get to go home and jump on a mountain bike or jump on a stand-up paddleboard or head up to the ski fields and enjoy my time off and live the life that I want to live outside of medicine as well. So I think it, it really is the best of both worlds and we're really lucky and we We talk about it as a consultant group. It's having your cake and eating it too. It's a pretty nice way to live your life and also have the career that you want. So yeah, so it sounds a little bit like an advertisement, but it's the truth. It's a really brilliant way of life. 
You sound like you're just very happy with the decisions that you've made in your life and you're really reaping the rewards of that. That's what it sounds like, which is great. Yeah. You mentioned some challenges early on in your career. Correct me if I don't have this right, but it sounded like challenges that you faced early in your career that you might not have faced had you been in a larger city? Some of those challenges I would have faced if I'd stayed in the city because of the pandemic anyway. The first two years of my career as a specialist pain medicine physician were telehealth and telephone appointments, which I had really very limited experience in. And I was setting up the sole public pain medicine clinic or rooms, I guess I was in to start off with. It certainly wasn't how I anticipated my pain career would start off. So that that was a really big challenge. And there's still a lot of work to be done in that space. We do have a really great multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary pain management team in Albury-Wodonga and integrating pain services further is one of my pet projects that I'll be working on probably for a few years to make it happen. One of the big challenges we've had, and I suspect this is the case for quite a few regional places, but it's made harder by the fact we're on both sides of the border, is the challenge of space and integrating work in outpatient clinics as well as theatre work has, I found, really difficult. I spend a lot more time in the car than I thought I would in terms of just getting from one side to the other. And it's not a long distance to travel, but it's certainly there's there's days where you are crossing from Aubrey to Wodonga to get to a clinic or to get to your list in one hospital or the other. So there's that uniqueness to, to where we work. I think some of the challenges are dealing with a limited workforce. As I was alluding to, I'm amazed that more anaesthetists don't want to move and, and live in a regional area and work in regional hospitals because Honestly, I think recruitment and getting people to come and be boots on the ground and expanding our workforce is really critical to our success. And that's one of the big challenges, I think, is recruitment at the moment. We are always looking for good people to be a part of our department. And certainly when you've only got a few staff specialists and you definitely need a few more, it does mean that you can be spread quite thin when it comes to the non-clinical workload, which is, as we know, really important to the functioning of a department. It means that you end up trying to get a hell of a lot of work done during your limited non-clinical time. So that's been a really big challenge that I've faced. One of the challenges I hadn't really probably thought about as much having always worked away from where I grew up was having patients that I know and that is an issue for people certainly in smaller places than where we live where you do know nearly everyone in the community. It doesn't happen very often but it is something that I'm faced with in both my pain and anaesthesia practice and I guess learning how to manage that and how to be in that sphere where you have potentially a personal relationship or history with this family or the patient in front of you and how you manage that has been something I've been learning to manage. So there's lots of different challenges. Is there anything that you miss about being in a bigger centre? Yeah, I think as a paediatric anaesthetist, I miss the consistent paediatric practice. I have, I do quite a few paediatric lists at Aubrey Wodonga Health, but there are some cases I'm just not seeing very often or um, not exposed to. I did my fellowship at the Royal Children's in Melbourne, and so I've got certainly great connections there. And whilst the pandemic has made it difficult to get back, the goal is to get back and do a bit of extra paediatric anaesthesia each year just to keep fresh with what's happening and to make sure that I'm keeping up with the game. I do miss some of that, but not not much because we do have 
such high-level patient needs and certainly we're dealing with patients having complex surgeries or who have complex comorbidities. So there is plenty of challenge here as it is. I miss some of the lifestyle. I used to love the food scene in Melbourne and getting out to the galleries and all of those sorts of things. I think that's growing in our community and so I'm feeling pretty lucky. And so we make a holiday out of visiting Melbourne now, which is actually a really nice way to experience it, having spent a lot of my life living there now. Yeah, great. Lovely. Oh, look, it's been really wonderful chatting with you this morning. I do really feel like I'm missing out by not being in Albury, Wodonga. <laughs> come for a visit. We'd love to have you. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I've been meaning to come up, but it sounds like it certainly changed a lot <laughs> since the last time I've been through there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really lovely talking with you, Susie. Thank you so much for having me on and having a chat. Well, I hope you enjoyed exploring what sounds like a pretty amazing part of Australia with us. Thank you, Kate, for sharing your experience and enthusiasm for Albury-Wodonga. It's pretty hard not to be tempted into moving there. If you are considering a move, whether it be a permanent or temporary one, then I encourage you to look at the Australian Society of Anaesthetists Positions Vacant or Locum page, where we've got jobs posted from all around Australia and New Zealand. Also, if you're keen to learn more about working in a particular place in Australia or find yourself like Kate, just loving where you work, then do reach out to me. I'm keen to explore Australia vicariously through you as an anaesthetist working and living regionally or rurally in this fantastic country that we share. The best way to reach me is via email on podcast at asa.org.au. Of course, I'll put a link to that as well as to the Positions Vacant page in the episode notes. Once again, thank you for listening and I hope you're staying safe and well out there and enjoying wherever you happen to be right now. Thank you for listening to the Australian Anesthesia Podcast, which can be found on all the major podcast hosting platforms as well as YouTube. This podcast is produced by the Australian Society of Anaesthetists and hosted by Dr. Susie New with music created by Dr. Mark Seuss. The ASA was formed in 1934 and our vision is for every anaesthetist in Australia to be at their best, providing the highest quality anaesthesia and perioperative care through excellent technical and non-technical skills. We also hope that this means that you are functioning at your best when you're away from work. In this podcast, we have conversations that seek to inform, challenge and inspire you to keep you performing at your best. Members of the ASA can access full versions of all episodes by logging into the ASA website at asa.org.au. If you are listening on your favourite podcast app, then make sure you look at the episode notes for the direct link to the podcast on the ASA website. Also, feel free to follow or subscribe so that you can receive the latest episodes as we do publish regularly. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to email us on podcast at asa.org.au. Thank you for your time and we hope you enjoyed listening.